never gonna be done. Lean on in. Now welcome to the kingdom. Welcome again, you mocks of the world, to another episode of the F and Marks podcast. We've made it to ten. Have we really made it to ten? We made it to ten. It really doesn't even feel like uh, we actually did ten podcasts, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, two you and know? a half months. You know what? That I'm, th- gonna, I'm gonna take a drink to that. Wait, Here. wait, wait. Clink. We are uh, drinking to our boy. Uh, it's It has Juicy J on it, but it, it's Billy D. Williams who we're thinking about. Thank you, Billy D. As always, I am Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. And uh, I think we're going to start off this week by wishing uh, Miss Stephanie McMahon a very happy birthday. And it's not just any birthday for her, Jay. It happens to be... Stephanie McMahon Helmsley's 40th birthday. Oh, nice. So uh, Stephanie tur- hit the big 4-0 today, and we just want to send a birthday shout-out to you, Stephanie. So happy birthday. I hope you had an awesome birthday. To the woman with the best bitch slap in the business. To the ultimate diva in WWE history. Stephanie, happy birthday. Um, we did want to plug... Our podcast today, uh, we wanted to get a couple things out there. Obviously, we want to talk about uh, our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Well, the, the Facebook page, I always forget. I think it's the same exact uh, thing as our Twitter handle, which is the F underscore N marks. And I think it's both Facebook and Twitter. So follow us on both of those. And speaking of Twitter, um, I posted a poll earlier um, I did come to the realization that our podcast is getting very close to having almost 100 downloads. And I thought that the the right thing to do to commemorate once we get to 100 downloads, and to put a little bit of pressure on you guys too, but um, I, was, I was saying to Jay earlier that I, for the 100th podcast, 100th download of the podcast, that I was going to put a poll out there to see what you marks out there would like to see Bobby the Brainless do once or we have get, happened to him or have happened to me uh, once we get the 100th download. If you want to see Ja Rule put a pie in my face, pie face, which would be option one. Option two is see Bobby the Brainless chug a foo foo drink. For those of you who don't know what a foo foo drink. Um, Beer is not a foo-foo drink. Basically, any girly-tasting drink. So if it's made by, like, Mike's, or if it's, like, a, long, uh, a hard iced tea, or a Smirnoff, or something that is orangey, or raspberry or cherry e, and it's not, like, a vodka or something like that, that is what we call a foo-foo drink. So Bobby the Brainless agreed that if you wanted to vote for that, then you could have me chug one of those not just drink it chug it and not only will i chug it i will actually chug it while doing the podcast option c is actually eat a pumpkin spiced based food well and let let's let's let the people know at home that uh bobby the brainless is not the biggest fan of pumpkin spiced anything he thinks there's a little what too much maybe it's just 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 overwhelming amounts of things that are uh, pumpkin-based. I, I get the coffees. That's kind of cool. I get it. You know, if they want to do, like, a pumpkin spice cake, I get it. 
I understand a, a pumpkin spice donut. I definitely don't have a problem. I mean, with donuts, there's like millions of varieties of different types of donuts anyway. So a pumpkin spice donut, I don't have a problem with. But it's it's when you get into like pumpkin spiced flavored Oreos and pumpkin spiced beers. Actually, no, I take that back. I apologize. There are ter- certain types of pumpkin spice beers. If it has the brown sugar rim on it, it actually tastes like a pumpkin pie, which is actually pretty good. But I mean. You know, pumpkin spice donuts, or, or bagels, I'm sorry, pumpkin spice, like I said, the Oreos. I mean, what's next? Are we going to go in there and they're going to have Lay's pumpkin spice flavored potato chips, or Doritos is going to come out with a pumpkin spice flavored Dorito? Maybe. I, I mean, they have Pop-Tarts. They have, it's just like... All right, we'll, so we're going to pick one of those we'll, ones we'll, that you don't like. Well, and what we'll do is we'll have your wife, because she's such a connoisseur of the pumpkin spice stuff, and she's going to pick the pumpkin spice based food for me to eat if that ultimately wins the poll and finally option d of the poll is bobby the brainless will actually eat an entire pint of sour cream out of the container uh personally i i'm a big fan of option d i think this would be awesome and uh it would be another uh bobby the brainless video that goes online you know i i was looking at the four options and i know i i asked a lot of people's opinions on it and everything and when i was putting those four options together the one that really stuck out to me was the pie in the face and it, it's not because of the fact that i don't like pie i fucking love pie but well, it'll stick in your stash and your beard, man. Yeah, that's that was my biggest thing was like, you know, I mean, it would be kind of cool that, you know, especially because if that wins, then that means you get to take part in something stupid that happens to me or I do. And it's the one thing that I probably, I, not even probably, I definitely don't want to do the pie in the face. Just because of the fact that I have this beard and it, it's just going to be a mess. I, I really, I really do not want the pie in the face. I really don't want the pumpkin I, I would rather drink the foo-foo drink if I had to. If I had to chug a foo-foo drink, then I would hope that that wins it. I know that with this being out there, and I'm going to retweet this on my personal Twitter account, you can follow me personally on Twitter as well, at RappinRobo, R-A-P-P-I-N-R-O-B-O. And if you want, you know, you can follow me there. You can also follow Jay on his uh, personal account. Is it J-A-R-U-E-L-37? yeah. You can follow us. Um, definitely get onto our Twitter page and vote and see what kind of humiliating thing Bobby the Brainless will do on the very next podcast if the amount of downloads gets to where they have to go. Uh, and uh, speaking, though, uh, of the foo-foo drinks, it, it always reminds me uh, when we were talking about this of uh, Ric Flair uh, a few years ago when he was in TNA. It was back when icing was a thing. Don't get me started on icing. And, like... They would ice Ric Flair all the time, and he would chug these things, and he would have, like, his eyes would be, like, bulging out of his head because, I mean, you get a lot of carbonation, a lot of cold when you're drinking that thing. It's it's hard to get down, and he would freaking take it like a champ because, you know what, he is the man. Woo! Still. I actually have an interesting icing story, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with this podcast because it is sure. a wrestling podcast. So back in, I think it was either 2010 or 2011 for Halloween, I dressed up like The Miz. This was pre-Miz winning the title and everything. I had, you know, I had the, uh, hello, I'm The Miz t-shirt. I had, you know, the the faux hawk. I had the wrestling trunks on. I had a microphone and I had a briefcase because he had just won money in the bank. In my opinion, the best Halloween costume I ever came up with 
Second was definitely when I dressed up like Sting when he was in the NWO Wolfpack. But what I did was, before I left for the party that I went to, is there was a bunch of Smirnoffs in my fridge. And what I did was I stuffed them all in my briefcase. <laughs> so, you know, there was like a good 15, 20 people at this Smirnoff Halloween party. the bank. It, there was at least a good 15, 20 people at this Halloween party. A lot of my friends were there. And, you know, I went around and people were like, oh, who are you supposed to be? I'm like, oh, I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. And they're like, oh, yeah, what do you got there? I'm like, oh, I got my microphone and I got my briefcase. This is my money in the bank ladder match briefcase. And they were like, oh, so what's in the, the briefcase? I'm like, oh, it's a contract for me to cash in on the WWE Championship at any time that I want. I'm like, do you want to see it? And they're like, yeah. So I would open up the briefcase, there would be a smear off, and I would ice them. I iced four different people that night. That's beautiful. And impressively enough, I actually iced two people at the same time, and all four people I iced were pissed at me. So <laughs> I, I go, and this is why, because of that, with the icing, that I make that the greatest Halloween costume I ever had. Uh, so now that we've gone off on a couple of tangents, which are so enjoyable. And if you listen to our podcast, you, you definitely know. would know that that was inevitable, that it was going to happen. Uh, but uh, let's get into uh, a little SmackDown talk. You know, uh, SmackDown, uh, you know, overall pretty good show this week. A couple of good wrestling matches. Uh, but really, I think the, the main thing with this week was putting the championship matches for their pay-per-view No Mercy in a couple of weeks to the forefront. It was interesting this week that they were moving forward with the pay-per-view more so, considering that SmackDown's pay-per-view is still a couple weeks away. I mean, granted, they just had one. Like couple a couple weeks a ago. couple weeks ago, and Raw's got their first Raw specific pay per view, which I still can't get over the fact that it's called Clash of Champions, because you would think it would be every championship from both shows being on there. Either way, I you know what am I going to do? It's not like I have no control over what they title the pay per views and everything. Right. I did think it was interesting that they were moving forward with the pay per view. Um, one thing that definitely st- stood out for me, this week on SmackDown was the contract signing of the SmackDown Women's Championship between Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss. Let off the show, which, I mean, again, kudos for them putting the ladies to the forefront. I thought this segment was well done where, you know, Alexa Bliss talked about her being born a champion and Becky Lynch, she is not like who you expect to see as a champion. Uh, but, you know, Becky's whole thing was like, hey, you know what? I scratched, I clawed, and I earned my way to being a champion. A champion isn't a look, it's not a brand, it's earning it. Which is funny because of all the girls on SmackDown, or all the women on SmackDown, I'm sorry, she's definitely got the look of all of them. Well, I mean, Becky, if nothing else... it has a unique look, and her character is not the traditional, like, you know, what we've seen probably in the last 10-plus years. And but it's part of the women's revolution that they've been, you know... Yeah, where it's not everybody's a supermodel. Right. And I think that's good. Yeah, she is almost, to me, like the... Uh, she's like the anti-diva. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is kind of a tomboy, and, you know... She, she rocks her orange hair, uh, Alexa Bliss doing the her uh, Harley Quinn look, which she, is... She really didn't even look like Harley Quinn this week, not, either. Not this week so much, but even so. God, every time she comes out, I'm like, 
she is so beautiful. I love Alexa Bliss. She's my favorite women's wrestler now. I mean, you know, come to me in about Character a month. Character-wise, or are you talking... She's got the look, she's got the attitude, and she's getting a lot better as a... In the ring, she's getting a lot better than... She's definitely getting a lot better considering she used to be just a valet for Blake and Murphy down at NXT, and now she's strictly, excuse me, uh, being one of the... Yeah, she's wrestlers. one of the. She's a wrestler and one of the focal points now on uh, SmackDown. And she's really good on the microphone too. She's getting a lot better. I like her character. I like the way she handles the promos and how she looks when she's doing it. Be, because you know, it could be one thing just to do a promo, but when you have the facial mannerisms going yeah. with it, that really you know. Oh, she has the full-on bitch look when she's doing all the stuff she, she's she been doing. Like, when she was telling Becky she was a loser and, you know, she's a flash in the pan, I mean, she looked, like, co- totally convincing to me that, you know, she thought nothing Becky has done has been relevant. She Becky is a nothing champion, and she will be a nothing for the rest of her life. There was a couple of things in this opening segment, and I even asked you when we were watching SmackDown, when was the last time Raw... Or SmackDown let off, not only with just a women's contract signing, but when was the last time one of those two shows actually let off with a contract signing? And, you know, I honestly don't think it. I've ever seen a show lead off with the contract signing, or it's been a while. I've seen a couple of them where the contract signing's kind of been in the middle. For the most part, though, it's been like at the very end of the show, trying to keep people intrigued and... Uh, like any good contract signing, this one ended with, you know, people getting punched and, you know, tables thrown on them and what have you. And I that was actually where I was going to go with that. There was the two things that really stuck, stood out for me during that opening segment with the contract signing. Uh, the first thing was how Daniel Bryan was kind of adamant about how this wasn't going to be like a normal contract signing. There's not going to be any violence. Uh, tempers are going to be held under control, blah, 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 and it's like, come on, dude. You could, you know, you can take a shit, cover it in sparkles, tie a ribbon around it, and give it to me, and tell me it's something else, and guess what? It's still a shit. So you could tell me one thing, and I'm not going to expect that to happen. Every contract signing, or at least 97.5% of them, thank you, Scott Steiner, for the math skills, usually end with somebody getting attacked, put through a table, having something thrown at them, thrown out of the ring. Alexa Bliss signed the contract, smacked Becky with it, threw the contract at her, and then threw the table on top of Becky. Having a WWE contract signing not end in some sort of melee like that is like when South Park didn't kill Kenny for the first time. Everybody just kind of looks around like, something's off here. Right, exactly. So I love the South Park reference, by the way. Hey, you know. Uh, so I thought that this was a good business. Uh, you know, I like that they're at least taking a little bit of time to build up the story for No Mercy. No Mercy's another couple of weeks away, but they're going full tilt with this, and you know, this gives them uh, another week of building up next for uh, next SmackDown Live. Yep, and another thing that they were building towards the next pay-per-view is the tag teams where the Usos took on American Alpha and was successful in winning the number one contendership for the SmackDown tag team titles which will be defended for the first time well 
I'm sorry. They actually defended the titles last week against the Ascension. Uh, Ascension. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, Everybody tries to forget. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I, I wish I did forget that, but it happened nonetheless. But for the first time at a pay-per-view, the SmackDown tag team titles are going to be defended. The, the what? SmackDown tag <laughs> the, team titles. The t- SmackDown? <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> but uh, You're already well, home. That was quick. So... Uh, what they did, though, with the American Alpha and Usos match, I thought that was good. They had the built-in storyline of uh, Chad Gable having the hurt leg. He said he was cleared to wrestle, but it came into play. And basically in the end, Jason Jordan had to fend for himself, and it was more or less a handicap match, and the Usos came out on top. I love the Usos as a as a heel tag team they have this attitude about them that they're the baddest tag team in the in all of the WWE, let alone just SmackDown. They are the most established tag team of the division, WWE-wise. Oh, absolutely. They have the track record. They've been there for a while. They're the two-time Slammy Award-winning team for Tag Team of the Year. I like the Usos. I think this is good for them. But... The best thing, honestly, going for me in WWE is Slater and Rhino. These two are just off the chain. The fact that they just put this tag team together on a whim just to help Heath Slater get his contract with SmackDown was fantastic. And to help Rhino win his election. Yeah. And I hope Rhino does win. Rhino, if I lived in Michigan, I'd be voting for you, dude. But, uh, I, I mean... Every segment that they have done has been gold. It is, like, entertain the absolute living hell out of me. The fact that Rhino, you know, just, he loves his crackers and he, with cheese whiz. The fact that they were backstage watching the match for the number one contendership and Rhino's eating the crackers and Heath Slater's got his arm around him as he's spraying the cheese whiz onto the crackers is just fantastic. I, I love it. I, I... The more I see Heath Slater and Rhino as a tag team every single week, the more I'm I'm getting into it. I never liked Heath Slater. I thought he was the biggest tool when they first brought him up in the NXT. I thought he was a big tool when he was in the one-man band. I thought he was a tool when he was teaming up with Justin Gabriel. I thought he was a tool when he was in the three-man band. I just thought he was just a tool. And I never I never I never you liked think he him needs because... a toolbox. No, the toolbox is uh, the guy who leads the Raw SmackDown team. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, not the SmackDown team. He's the leader of the Raw announced team. Right, right. Michael Cole. Right, right, right. Am I right? Right, right. But Heath Slater has just evolved into a very entertaining person. I need a job. I got kids. I need an above-ground pool. I need a double-wide trailer. You know, it, it works. You give somebody a gimmick and it works, people are going to get behind you. And mostly the the marks of the world are the ones that are going to get behind you because they're the... We're the hardcore fans. We That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. We're the hardcore fans. We're the guys... We're the guys that sit in the arena when John Cena's music hits and he comes walking out to the ramp and we go, John Cena sucks, John Cena sucks, while his song is playing. Those are the hardcore fans I'm talking about. The guys who chant Husky Harris when Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt comes out and wrestles. 
you know, those are the hardcore wrestling fans. The guys that, I mean, I'm not saying you or I are in this category, but the guys who basically live in their mother's basements, they're in their late 20s, early 30s, they're eating the Hot Pockets, they work as an electronics department of Walmart, making barely enough money to survive. They've never smelled a girl, let alone had a girlfriend. And they probably smell themselves. <laughs> and they probably smell themselves. Which is why they don't have a girl friend. And that, you know, play the the World of Warcraft and, and the shit like that. And they yeah. spend more time on their computer and drink four Monster Energy drinks a night. And Jesus Christ, this is sounding more and more like me. But anyway, I don't live in my mother's basement, though. No. Um, I like it. I like what they're doing with Heath Slater. I like what they're doing with Rhino. Rhino. This is the best I've seen of Rhino, too, as a character. Yeah. And people are getting behind him. It's great. Ultimately, I do think the Usos are going to take the tag team titles from them. Maybe not this pay-per-view. Maybe if they have one in October. Maybe if it goes to Survivor Series and they still well, have the Well, the titles. October pay-per-view is no mercy. Is no mercy in October? Yeah, I it's two weeks away. I am sorry. Have another drink. I'll drink to that. Heard that one. He's Slater and Rhino. Uh, I definitely see them uh, continuing with, with the uh, tag team titles for at least a, a, another pay-per-view. Uh, um, my thought is uh, Rhino probably has some sort of short-term deal with WWE that will carry him through Election Day. And I think very soon after Election Day or maybe Survivor Series, uh, we're going to see Slater and Rhino lose the titles, but I am going to enjoy every moment we have with them until then. That's, in my opinion, that's if Rhino wins his election. I'm not saying that he yeah, won't, Yeah. but if, yeah, I think it's a, with his contract situation, I'm guessing if he wins the election, then he's going to be done with WWE, but if he loses, he'll probably go back to the WWE. I personally, I mean... As a as a human being, I'd love to see him win the election. As a wrestling fan, I hope he loses just so we can get a little bit more of this Rhino and Slater team. Yeah, they're they are one of the best things going, if not the well the gift of, the gift of Jericho might be the best thing going, but Chris Jericho has been a gift since ninety nine. He's been a gift be, since before then. I know, but for WWE fans he's been a gift since ninety nine. That's true. Uh so, you know, they're they're definitely uh, going forward w towards their match in a uh, couple of weeks at No Mercy with uh, Usos against Rhino and Slater, and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, SmackDown had a couple other good matches. We won't get too in-depth, but, like, uh, Miz and Dolph had a pretty good match. Fantastic match. I'd give it an 8 out of 10. And I, d I don't know where this is going other than, you know, Dolph losing again. I'm wearing my Dolph Ziggler shirt right now. I love Dolph, uh, but at this point, I I don't know where the character itself goes. You know, I didn't even think of it. I'm actually wearing my CM Punk shirt, and I should have worn my Miz shirt just because, for that reason, I love the Miz. The way you feel about Dolph Ziggler is how I feel about the Miz. This whole thing that they've had with the Miz since he had his meltdown on Talking Smack where he was questioning Daniel Bryan and, you know, they had their little tiff and it's been it's been building up to something each and every week. The Miz did sign his new contract 
which then led to him defending the Intercontinental title at SmackDown. Maurice got involved in the match. She got ejected. The Miz looked like he was going to lose. I mean, they were hitting finishers and signatures on each other the entire match. Excellent match. I, yeah. I, I thought it was one, definitely there, there one were, of the better matches that The Miz has actually put up, too. I mean, Dolph Ziggler. Actually, I, him, him and Dolph, I mean, even their match at Backlash was really good. This match was awesome. They work very well together. Yeah. And, obviously, The Miz grabbed Maurice's spray, sprayed Dolph in the face, hit him with Stone Cold. Uh, Stone Cold, I'll be right skull-crushing finale and ultimately beat Dolph Ziggler second week in a row where where The Miz had to use... Nefarious tactics. Yes. To defeat Dolph Ziggler and I think it's going to ultimately lead to them fighting at in, for the Intercontinental title. Um, no Mercy. Yes, at No Mercy. And I think... I, I think Miz is going to win that too. I do too. I... I'm starting to feel like he's going to pass the honky tonk, man. I really do. They love the Miz. He's one of Vince's boys. He's honestly he's doing the best work of his career. I think it right now. I agree. So, I have I have no problem with the Miz continuing his title reign. I'm just sad that it's at the expense of Dolph. That's all. Somebody has to take the fall for that, and a lot of people are going to take the fall with with that. Uh, outside of that, I mean, on SmackDown, the real, the big thing that they were building towards was uh, Cena-Ambrose match, which, you know, pretty solid match, and I was absolutely shocked at who won, Dean Ambrose, and clean. It wasn't like he uh, used it underhanded tactics. John Cena lost clean again. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut, Jay. Well, what this is all leading to is uh, Daniel Bryan ended up making a match for next week on SmackDown where it's going to be Ambrose against AJ Styles for the WWE title. Which was promised to Ambrose last week by commissioner of SmackDown, Shane McMahon, and Daniel Bryan came out this week and said it's going to be happening next week. I think we all know what's going to happen Dean Ambrose is going to lose to AJ Styles because they're setting up for the triple threat match at No Mercy between Styles, Ambrose, and Cena. I'm almost wondering if there's going to be some sort of shenanigans that happen in the match next week, just so they don't make you know Dean Ambrose look like a tool going into the triple threat match. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some kind of shenanigans that gets involved, and I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next person who says shenanigans. There's going to be shenanigans. Sorry. But, uh, you know, they had a pretty good match overall. And uh, at the end, AJ Styles ended up coming in and beating up John Cena and started beating up Dean Ambrose, but uh, Ambrose ended up with the upper hand at the end. I wouldn't necessarily say that he beat up John Cena. He beat up John Cena. He came through the crowd, he climbed up the barricade, and he hit Cena with a phenomenal forearm. He beat up John Cena. And then he got in the ring and kicked Dean Ambrose in the head, and he was talking all the shit, and then Daniel Bryan comes out and basically hit him with bad news Barrett type of a statement and told him that he was going to be defending the title against Dean Ambrose next week on SmackDown, and... He turned around and got hit with Dirty Deeds by Dean Ambrose. And I, I like where this is going. I don't like the fact that John Cena's in the match. He can go fuck himself. But I understand. 
you have nothing else for Cena. You kind of want to, you know, I figured that well, him and Well, he's the, not working a full-time schedule right now. He's doing a lot of outside projects while also doing WWE. But you know what? John Cena, it, at this point, is kind of Teflon. It doesn't matter if he wins. It doesn't matter if he loses. The fans are still going to hate him. They're going to hate him or love him. And uh, having him raises the level of the match. I really don't think so. I think AJ Styles is enough of a name. I understand that he didn't not in get, WWE. I yet. understand he didn't establish himself in the WWE. But like we were talking earlier about the the real hardcore wrestling fans, the marks out there, they know who AJ Styles is. They're, I think they're enough to make AJ Styles strong enough that they don't need John Cena in this match. It's like you know you really want to put the the. Honestly, I think they're sowing the seeds already for WrestleMania. What we're going to see is John Cena's not going to win this. I think he's going to kind of go on a losing streak, similar to what he had after he lost to The Rock in WrestleMania a few years back. What this is going to lead to is Cena's going to keep on losing, keep on losing. We're going to see him tie the uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair's world title record, I think, at WrestleMania 33. I hope not. I think that's what we're leading to, and I think AJ Styles is going to be the guy he beats because AJ Styles beat him cleanly. Uh, very, you know, it was a big spot. You don't see, in general, you don't see John Cena losing cleanly that often, but he's lost cleanly a couple times in the last couple of months. But I think we're going to end up seeing that down the road. We'll see, though. Which is sad considering. There's a really decent possibility that the two of us will be at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, Florida. We'll see how that goes. If if finances hold up accordingly. So after we rob a bank or if Sean O can really, you know. Or if Donald Trump wins the presidency and gives us a tax break. Yes. Vote for Donald. Sorry. What? Horrible plug. Who? What? Huh? What? Uh Speaking of SmackDown, this is the last thing I want to get out about SmackDown. David Otunga fucking sucks. Oh God, I'm I'm starting to be there with you. I know I've I've been you know beating my chest about how I'd love to see David Otunga get a chance and give him some time. He'll get better. No, he fucking I have, blows. I have no problem with giving somebody a chance, but I mean, literally, he adds nothing. He's either uh, a parrot or he just kind of says what everybody knows already. He's like the Joe Morgan or Phil Simms uh, of SmackDown. Or Chris Collinsworth. He's just freaking terrible. So I think we're going to start our own hashtag, Fire Otunga. I love that idea. David Otunga needs to go on the on the broadcast team. I know they're talking about the new era. He Bring- brings Morrow and JBL down. I'm pretty sure that JBL like sighs and hates his life when he goes to the to the broadcast table and sees David Otunga because I know I would. You know, some get, people grow into the role. I mean, uh, we've talked about this before. I thought Daniel Bryan throughout the Cruiserweight Classic at the beginning he you know he was a fanboy, just really excited. But I liked the excitement. But you know he was very amateurish. By the end of the Cruiserweight Classic, he was so much better. And Otunga, on the other hand, has just kind of done and said nothing. That's David Otunga for you. Well, I mean, let's get into 
NXT. You know, and NXT, really good show this week. I thought they did a lot of good things to uh, push their storylines forward and at least start the process of building up their women's division again. I agree with that. Um, it was Billy Kay fought against Aaliyah. Aaliyah. And Billy Kay was victorious again against Aaliyah. Well, uh, and you know what? I think Aaliyah is going to eventually have her time and have her day. Right now, they have to build up people to go against Asuka. And they really have nobody. I think it's kind of funny that since the NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn, they haven't really put out Ember Moon as much on NXT as to be like the next woman to make that next step up into the women's division of NXT. And they, they have, have to build her up a little bit more. They did a great job building up her debut. Now they have to actually, she has to bring it in the ring. Oh my God, it's Bailey. I'm going to give you a hug because that's what I do. I mean, it's just like really, you know, you're going to give us Liv Morgan. Really? Liv Morgan? Who was, who was losing a lot of matches and then she beat... Uh, Paul Ellering's daughter last week, and she's yeah. like, now, now, I, I should be fighting Oscar uh, for the NXT Women's Championship. Why? Because you want a match? If that Wonder was the case, uh, if that was the case, let me fight the man scout and let me beat him, and now I could be the number one contender for the like the universal title. Right. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, I, I challenge Kevin Owens. That way, it would be Kevin Owens versus Bobby the Brainless, and God only knows how that would end. Poorly for me. Right. But I just I don't get the whole Liv Morgan of all the girl or all the women that they have in the division. Why Liv Morgan? Again, they just need somebody to go against Oscar because I mean she obliterated all of the established uh, you know females down in NXT, and all of those established females have gone on to the main roster. They have to build somebody up. And unfortunately, they have to make somebody kind of the sacrificial lamb, and I think that's what Liv Morgan is doing. I think they're going to take their time with Aaliyah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think Asuka is kind of too good for NXT, but they need somebody with some credibility down in that women's division. Agreed. And um, something else that happened at NXT that I'd like to bring up was uh, Samoa Joe came out and was talking about Shinsuke Nakamura's medical report. And my boy, Shinsuke Nakamura, is going to be out for, what, they said 8 to 12 months or something like that? No, 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 6 to 12 weeks. weeks. I apologize. 6 to 12 weeks. And if you know how WWE works, I remember when Shawn Michaels was Intercontinental Champion and was going up against Dean Douglas, was the first example I've seen of how a champion who can't defend the title within 30 days has to forfeit the title, unless it's Brock Lesnar. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that situation where Joe was basically telling William Regal, either give me Shinsuke Nakamura or strip him of the title and give me the title or else I'm going to go there and all of your superstars are going to end up like what I did to Shinsuke Nakamura the week prior. Well, you, you know what? Joe's character is a badass and I think he's done a pretty good job with... Uh, Keeping that persona going, uh, honestly, I think this is going to be Joe's last feud in NXT. Uh, this is going to lead to a match at TakeOver in 
uh, Toronto, and I think after TakeOver Toronto, we're going to end up seeing, uh, I think Samoa Joe debuts the night after uh, Survivor Series, if you ask me. I could definitely see something like that happening. Shinsuke Nakamura, they're not going to take the title off of him that quickly. I mean... Unless what? the plan is to bring Shinsuke up to Raw, but I don't, right. I don't see that. But it's, it's like, I mean, how many times has WWE actually taken the title off of somebody after they just gave them the title? It's not like they've done it recently or anything. Oh wait, they just did that to Sasha Banks. What? Oh wait, they just did that to Zack Ryder at WrestleMania. What? Oh wait, they've done that a billion times in the history of the company. I could name them all off, but we could be here all night, and I don't really feel like. Sure. Spending all Saturday night talking about all the people that the WWE has taken the title off of rather quickly after they won the title. The Miz. Right. Uh, I I thought this was a good segment. Like, you know, Joe was trying to be a badass and trying to, you know, be like the alpha male here. But, you know, to me, in the end, William Regal came off as the badass saying, you know what? You think you got the power, but no, I'm the commissioner. You do what I say when I say in... Go after yourself. Really? I thought that the way Samoa Joe ended that whole segment with him and Regal made Joe come out on top between him and Regal when he threatened to attack the entire locker room and had them end up like Nakamura. And, you know, Regal kind of shit his pants a little bit when, when Joe said that. I would do the same thing if Joe said that to me, but that's neither here nor there. Awesome segment to lead off NXT. They're doing wonderful things in NXT. I've well, I mean t- that thing. They're building that pretty well. Yeah, I agree, and it's fantastic that we actually get to see the minor leagues of the WWE and see who the future stars of the company are going to be. Excuse me, as opposed to when they had Ohio Valley and Florida Championship Wrestling. Well, I mean Florida Championship Wrestling evolved into NXT, right? Uh, so you had that really good segment. Uh, after that, uh, they actually had a guy that I I know of as Biff Music, but they call him Oni Lorkin, and he went against Austin Aries. Uh, his first or second televised match. Second. I, I thought he came off pretty well here, but Aries beat him with the uh, what's it called the uh, next chancery. Yeah, and. Solid match, but it's uh, leading towards, you know, Austin Aries' uh, next feud. Which is against Hideo Itami, the man who stole CM Punk's finishing move. And Daniel Bryan's finishing move, too. Hey! Yeah! Oh, 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 wait. It's the other way around. They both stole his moves. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for one second. Right. I think... How that worked out, I mean, Aries had a good match, but it's Austin Aries. He has a lot of really good matches in his career. One of the better performers in ring The greatest man that ever lived. Fuck you, I'm the greatest man to ever live. Hey, no, I'm wrong. Your I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're brainless. I'm the greatest guy that ever lived. Just ask my father. But <laughs> you, I, I think what this is going to lead to, uh, Atami's, uh, you know, comeback was something that took a little longer than everybody expected. He had had a lot of momentum before he went on the shelf with his uh, shoulder injury. 
I see no reason that Austin Aries is going to win this match at uh, TakeOver Toronto. They're going to put on a hell of a match, and the crowd is going to eat it up. I love Austin Aries, and we'll see what happens. Uh, It's going to be entertaining for the next few weeks. Oh, Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Andre the Giant just fell over. Andre, you okay? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bump into you like that. Don't look at me like that. Don't worry, he had like 150 beers. He is drunk. Uh, he's definitely all drank me tonight. So, Andre, you're looking at me like you looked at Hogan right before he body slammed your ass. So, I'm looking forward to what happens with Austin Aries and uh, Atami. It's going to be, be an good excellent stuff. match. Good stuff for the next couple months. I agree. And also, what happened on NXT? I'm sorry, I hate to you know go right into the next moment. Um, Andrade Cien Almost, I think his name is, or Edward James Almost, like or some shit yeah. like that, uh, actually got the main event on NXT as he went up against the debuting Cedric Alexander, who was the guy during the Cruiserweight Classic that I became a big fan of. With his matches that he had, granted he only had two, but he impressed me enough in those two matches where I became a fan of him, did a lot of research on him. The kid's got a hell of a future ahead of him. He's going to be part of the cruiserweight division. He is. And I think it's great. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of Cedric Alexander. I really do hope for the best. Had a pretty good match against Andrade, Cien, almost. And he went over, and he looked really good in the process. Actually, it was, to me, the best that uh, almost had actually looked. Almost actually had a pretty good match, too. Almost doesn't count, but, I mean, what are you going to do? Don't give me that. Come on, that was terrible. I'm going to throw my microphone at you. Uh, But, you know, for the most part, uh, almost has really been... It's not that he's been bad, but he's kind of been just kind of vanilla to me. Like, there's nothing about him that stands out to me, so, yeah. Hopefully he Hopefully he finds his niche. Personally, I could care less. I've, I've never been a fan of Almas. I thought he was kind of like a terrible gimmick, and he's a decent wrestler. I know that he's been complaining about being in NXT and how he wants to be back in Mexico, according to former WWE superstar Alberto Del Rio, also now known as Alberto El Patron, and every time I think of El Patron, I think of tequila, and tequila makes me sick, so, but I think the the whole Cedric Alexander going over on Almas will definitely lead to our segue to our next topic of our podcast, where we're going to go into Raw. Well, and one of the things I thought they did a really good job with Raw. Now, I wasn't a big fan of where they put it in the show, but I thought they did a good job hyping all night. Hey, the cruiserweights are back. They're starting tonight. and They, they, they let off the third hour, didn't they? They they were like midway through the third hour. There was like, 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 like a, there was like a 15, match in, in, like before that. but And it was like, to me it was... The match of the night, they put a bunch of the cruiserweights in a match, and whoever won was going against T.J. Perkins at uh, Clash of Champions this Sunday. And the match consisted, it was a fatal four-way, and it consisted of four superstars that were all in the Cruiserweight Classic. It had Rich Swan, it had Cedric Alexander, 
It had Grand Metallica, <laughs> and it had the Brian, Brian Kendrick. Kendrick. And and I was absolutely wrong with my prediction while the match was going. Oh, I knew it was going to be Brian Kendrick. I, I just didn't think that they would have Brian Kendrick go over. Like I know that he's more known to the WWE universe, but I thought they were going to go with uh, what you call it, uh, Cedric Alexander. I thought they were going to go with him because of that crowd reaction at, at NXT. Sign Cedric, sign Cedric. I, I, I thought there was going to be a little bit of that, but. Bobby the Brainless was right. And I only went with that because of the fact that it's TJ Perkins' first defense as Cruiserweight Champion. It's going to be his first, yeah, it's going to be his first match as Cruiserweight Champion. I don't see them putting him up against Cedric Alexander this quickly. I Where think that Brian Kendrick, Kendrick has is, some it, credibility yeah. with the audience. Plus, it, you know, Kendrick's going to put up a good match. Like I said before, I started to really get behind Brian Kendrick the deeper he got into the tournament. I'm really glad that he's back on Raw, and I cannot believe I said that. If you came up to me like two or three years ago and told me I was going to say that, I would say you're full of shit. He looks like a bulimic Jesus. Who needs a cheeseburger? Yeah. So... I'm glad that they're doing it this way. I think that Brian Kendrick's definitely going to bring the best out of TJ Perkins. I know that they've had some, they have history together. Brian Kendrick did say that he, 14 years ago, he said he would love to fight TJ Perkins in a big event, and he never thought it was going to actually happen in the WWE. I'm happy that they're both there. I'm happy that all the cruiserweights are there, which is now the best time for me. Since we didn't have one last week, and I was very adamant about that for about a good two, three days, about how we didn't have this last week, and for goddamn reasons, I need to fucking win this week. My markout moment of this week is the introduction of the cruiserweights to the Monday Night Raw show, which also includes the Fatal 4-Way match that they had, which was the best match of the night. Brian Kendrick was victorious, the veteran and well-known superstar of the division for the WWE fans. That was Bobby the Brainless's mark-out moment of this week. How about you take that, stick it in your pipe, and smoke it, Jay? Because I'm starting to think that I am not going to be another victim of Goldberg's streak... <laughs> and I'm actually going to beat you this week. Uh, well, I mean, my mark-out moment of the week, actually, uh, what was it on, Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. It happened because Heath Slater finally got his above-ground pool. For me, the mark-out moment of the week was Heath Slater finally getting his seven kids their pool I'm sure Beulah right now is in there with her swimmies in West Virginia having the time of her life. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Are, are, you, are you kidding They're me? They're right in their double wide, and you got that above-ground pool. That was the best moment of all this week. I swear to you, if I do not end the streak this Are you going to do something else stupid, or are you going to do uh, A and D from your list from earlier? I am that confident that I'm going to win with the cruiserweights, including my boy Cedric Alexander, 
having a fantastic match. And, I mean, the match itself obviously was going to be fantastic against the Cruiserweights. But them debuting on Raw, I am so confident that I'm going to win the poll for Markout Moment of the Week. That if you actually beat me with Heath Slater in his stupid pool, I will do two shots. Not one, but two shots of Fireball. All right. Gauntlet has been uh, thrown down, and I, you know what? Nope, nope, no. Nope. I will, if I lose, I'll do the two shots of Fireball. I swear to God, if you marks out there don't vote for me to win the mark out moment of the week. No, 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 no. Don't even try to like, I sway I swear them. to you. I'm, basically what I'm doing is I'm swaying them to vote for you because this is what the chicken shit heel does. He says something, they get upset, and they do exactly the, they do the exact opposite of what he says. I can pick it, and this is what kills me about the mark out moment. Your markout moment could be like, well, I saw John Cena go down a slip and slide, and that's going to be my markout moment of the week. And mine could be like, I saw Randy Orton RKO somebody off the top of the Titantron, and that would be my markout moment. And for some damn strange, crazy reason, your John Cena going down a slip and slide would be markout moment of the week voted by the fans. And I would lose. And every week, it would just be like... And it, and it's 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 sad because to it's to a point now with our markout moments of the week. Every time we talk about like oh so what's your markout moment of the week and I look at you all I can think of is Goldberg's entrance song. <laughs> and it's like you're Goldberg and I'm Gilberg. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Only a fucking Mark would know who Gilberg was. One of the greatest gimmicks of all time. And I'm going to say this right now. I have all the confidence in the world that they're actually going to vote, or they're actually going to download and get that 100th episode before October 2nd, because I know that the marks out there are either going to want to see me chug a foo-foo drink, or get a pie to the face, or eat an entire pint of sour cream, or eat some pumpkin-spiced flavored food, because you know what? They don't like me. They think I'm brainless. They think that I'm just this chicken shit heel of the podcast. That's what they think of me, the people who listen to this podcast. And they don't like me. And I'm okay with that. You don't like me? Fine. Vote fucking against me. If you want to see Jay take a banana cream pie or a chocolate cream pie or an apple pie and slam that shit in my face, be my guest. I'm, I'm gonna, not afraid. It's going to be poutine pie. I'm not... I'm not afraid of what they're going to have me do. I'm going to tell you that right now, Jay. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of these marks. I'm not afraid of any of them. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of independent broadcasting wrestling announcer Sean Odomsky, who was a guest on our show last week. Thank you, Sean. I'm not afraid of your wife. I'm not afraid of anybody. If you don't like me, and you want to vote... I'm going to call the most your sister. You, you wouldn't. You're not afraid of anybody. I'm afraid of her. I mean, oh. I'm not afraid of anybody. <laughs> Chicken shit I'm, heel. I'm just telling you guys right now, I don't care what the fuck you have me do. 
if you guys actually get those downloads and I have to do something stupid like that, I'm game. Or drink Fireball. I'm not afraid of any of you. Do your fucking worst. Sorry, I kind of went on a little tangent there. I kind of lost my All right, a little bit. All right, so, yeah. That was the first time this podcast really got dark. Wow. Oh, I, I went somewhere that I don't normally go, and I... Fuck you. That's all I'm going to say. We'll continue in that dark place. Ross started out with Roman Reigns. Stephanie McMahon. Can't they just save him for like the last hour of Raw when nobody's really watching? I mean, fuck him. Fuck Roman Reigns. He's not entertaining. He can't cut a promo. He can't wrestle. He can't Why? wrestle. Why? Because he's he's from the freaking Samoan tree of wrestlers because he's cousins with The Rock. He's, he's cousins with the guy who's in charge of the people. Roman Reigns. I'm sure he's related to Rikishi. I'm sure he's related to the Usos. I'm sure he's related to Umaga. But I'm not sure Samoa Joe. Uh, yeah, obviously, because Samoa Joe is the only Samoan in the history of mankind that is not part of the Samoan family tree. I can't take it. I can't take Roman Reigns anymore. He's not that good. I never thought he was good. Yeah, he had the look when he was in the in the uh, the Shield, but he couldn't cut a promo to save his life. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go 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 ahead. Talk about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Needs to lose. He needs to lose to Rusev. Roman Reigns is going to go against Rusev at Clash of Champions, and I think the uh, I I want and I think I need him to lose at Clash of Champions, and I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to win. He beat Kevin Owens. The fucking Universal Champion on Raw, clean as a fucking sheet. What the fuck was that? Fucking stupid. You take your fucking champion, the guy who is supposed to be the top guy, and you fucking have him lose. I fucking hate when they do that. It's the stupidest thing. So that's your prediction for the pay-per-view as well? Is you're going with Roman Reigns over Fucking Rusev? Roman Reigns. Over Rusev for the United States Championship. They built up Rusev back to a level of credibility, and they're going to fucking throw it down the shitter. Again. I'm upset about this. I'm going to go Lee Corso on your ass. Not so fast, my friend. I understand what they did with Roman Reigns, how in the main event he went up against Kevin Owens in a steel cage. And he was victorious, winning clean against Kevin Owens inside a steel cage. But, Bobby the Brainless is going with Rusev on Sunday. Tomorrow. I hope you're right. I, I don't do think too. you are. I, 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 mean, I, I hope you're right. Let, let me but explain like, something to you. Honestly, Rusev was the guy who like was standing tall at the end of Raw. He beat the shit out of Roman Reigns. And he put him in the accolade. What Raw were you watching? The last thing I remember was at the end of Raw, the the man who was standing victoriously alone was Seth Rollins. Who wasn't even in the match? I do truly feel that Rusev is going to be victorious 
at Clash of Champions. He's going to retain the championship. I really don't see them taking the United States title off of him that quickly. Obviously, with Roman I Reigns, I I know you do, and and I'm sad about ob- that. Obviously, my my head's telling me that Roman Reigns is going to win, but my heart is telling me that Rusev is going to win. And a lot of times, I go with my heart over my head, but in this, I'm definitely going with my heart over my head. So I'm going with Rusev with the, the very brainless beautiful. prediction. Oh, wait till I get to the Bobby the Brainless brainless prediction that's sure to go wrong, but possibly could go right. Stone Cold lead pipe block of the week. Can I Your add any more? sheet of integrity. My, my sheet of integrity. Uh, speaking, though, of Rusev, I thought he and Rollins had a pretty uh, entertaining match. It was double count out, which, I mean, kept both guys in a strong position, but... They booked the match very well, considering it was a double count-out. It gives you that intrigue, like you really don't know if Rollins has the upper hand heading into the pay-per-view. It doesn't give uh, Rusev the upper hand in the pay-per-view. Very good match, very entertaining. I like Seth Rollins, guy that's definitely been growing on me. Rusev, another guy that's been growing on me as a wrestler over the last few months. So I, I can't really complain about the, how they booked the end of that match. I really can't. It's something different. Something that nobody really saw happening. And it definitely, like you said, gives the intrigue because it doesn't really diminish either one of them heading into the pay-per-view on Sunday. Now, uh, after that match, they had a... Uh, we, we have a triple threat now for the women's championship on Raw, and they have kind of like, I don't know, the the booking of it in the last couple of weeks has been shitty, like, a few weeks ago, Sasha comes out and says, oh, by the way, I'm completely healthy now, and I'm going to face Charlotte at Clash of Champions, the next thing you know, they eliminate, like, all advertisement of it being... Sasha against Charlotte for Clash of Champions. And it's like, well, what the fuck's going on? Then they have Sasha end up, you know, going over on this, that, and the other thing, and it's going to be Sasha and Charlotte. And then all of a sudden on Raw this week, Bailey is now in it, and it's a triple threat. I love Bailey, but, like, it, it seems like they don't have a plan, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I think what the WWE is trying to do is they're trying to capitalize on Bailey's popularity amongst the WWE fans. And with that being said, they wanted to put her in the match to give it like an extra element so the fans could get behind Bailey. And there's really, I've been adamant because SmackDown, the women's division is very deep compared to Raw. Because with Raw, it's like it's Charlotte, it's Sasha, and it's Bailey and Dana Brooke, and, Dana and Brooke, beyond that, and Dana Brooke Dana, is like, you know, it's she's a bit character. She's a bit character. Um, she's definitely been getting a little bit more TV time as of late. She's been getting harassed by Charlotte, treated like shit by Charlotte. I can see Dana Brooke possibly costing Charlotte the match. Dana Brooke is going to get involved in this match in some way, shape, or form. 
and it's going to ultimately lead to Charlotte cutting ties with Dana Brooke. Could it eventually mean that Dana Brooke is going to get a huge babyface push? Would it make any sense? Because your two, you're, you know, your three biggest names, two of them are faces and one heel. If you give Dana Brooke the big push as a face, you still have Sasha and Bailey as the big faces of the show. There's not really much they're going to be able to do unless they can finally give Nia Jax a legitimate op- opponent. Well, I mean, yeah, I have to build somebody up, but Nia, I mean... I mean, where the hell is Summer Rae? Uh, I heard she's hurt, and that's the reason why she's been off television since the draft. With the women's division on Raw, I mean, to me it feels like they put Bailey in this match because, honestly, I think Bailey's going to win the title. As much as I don't like when they play hot potato with the title, you know, I, I think that's the only reason why that she's in there. You really shouldn't bring up hot potato with an Irishman. I'm Irish too. I know, but now I can think. All I can think about is like a hot baked potato and how I want to eat it. Sour cream, chives, bacon, cheese. Yeah. Goddamn, we're gonna um, go to Wendy's now. I mean, I guess I could see. It's either Bailey going over or it's Charlotte going over, but I think the end game here is going to be. Bailey against Sasha at WrestleMania, and I don't know if this sows, sows the seeds for that, and maybe, you know, it's like Survivor Series when, uh, you know, big things happen, but I don't know. I- I'm feeling Bailey is going to win this match. I really wish it was Charlotte versus Sasha. I understand why they put Bailey in this match. They just brought her up from NXT. She was, quote-unquote, the face of NXT when she was down there. They wanted to make her relevant. They wanted to just kind of back up with her popularity from NXT, put her in a big match. I don't see her winning the title as quickly as her getting called up. Paige won her first night. That was kind of a surprise too. I don't think anybody saw that happening. But and, and look at what what happened with Paige. She she's probably going to be out of the WWE soon and working in TNA or Ring of Honor. Or... She signed to a contract with WWE for like another two or three years, so she ain't going nowhere. But even so, I I, I don't know. It's either Charlotte or Bailey, and you know Bailey and Sasha have kind of been. Not that they've been hating on each other, but more or less they've been talking about how winning the title is the most important thing in both of their lives. I have to give a prediction then, don't I? You do. I don't see Bailey winning on Sunday. Who are you going with? Honestly, I would say Sasha. I really would. Just because she won the title on the first Raw after the the brand split. And then dropped the title to Charlotte at SummerSlam. Do you really want to change the title for a third time in less than two months? They used to do that all the time in the Attitude Era. I, under, I understand that. I mean, they had the hardcore title. It used to change hands like 
50 times a day. I'm pretty sure that no, you and I... No, I'm talking like even like the World Heavyweight Championship oh, no, back in, in the day. I understand. And but. what they're... I mean, you can't have every champion be long-term champions. I, I hate to say it, gun to my head, the woman that's going to walk out of Clash of Champions with the women's title around her waist is going to be Charlotte. All right. I, I want to say Sasha Banks in the worst possible way. Believe me when I tell you. But I'm going to take Charlotte. And it, and it bothers me. And Dana me. Brooks is going to probably be part of that. Now, with with that being said, with the uh, the women's title of Raw, it's you know I think it's funny that it's a triple threat because they are the three women that get brought up a lot in the uh, three of the horsewomen. Yes, that's true. With Becky Lynch, the SmackDown Women's Champion, being the fourth one. And, and by the way, triple threat match, no disqualification, which means if Dana Brooke does anything, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. But I was actually thinking of the three women in this match because everybody's been talking about how it's the three women in a triple threat match to determine the women's champion. I actually looked at it as a a prototypical male with Charlotte, Sasha, and Bailey as the marry one, fuck one, kill one. And those three have definitely been brought up on more than one occasion to me. And to be honest, I would... Definitely marry Sasha, fuck Bailey, and kill Charlotte. There's not a, there's not a combination of three that I can think of off the top of my head where I wouldn't kill Charlotte. But I I, I know that's kind of stupid that I brought that up. But it's honestly that was when when they were announcing that it was a triple threat match, and I'm like, you know, somebody actually asked me once with those three in a marry one, kill one, fuck one, which ones would I do? And that's I hate to say it, but that's where I would go. Moving right along. <laughs> God uh, damn you, you fucking... So, uh, something that uh, leads us directly into the pay-per-view. Uh, Cesaro against Sheamus, best of seven series. Uh, Cesaro is tied it up. Somebody give that man a David Ortiz jersey. I swear to God, he's going to do exactly what the Red Sox did to the Yankees back in 2004. Cesaro was victorious on Raw in match six of the best of seven match series against Sheamus. He forced a match seven after starting out being down three to nothing, tied it up at six. Now they're heading into Clash of Champions for... The seventh and final match of their series between the two of them. Give that man a David Ortiz jersey. He's going to win that shit on Sunday. That is my prediction. I don't even need to bring up what happened on Raw. Cesaro is beating Sheamus on Sunday. Uh, I agree. Uh, Cesaro is going to win this thing. I just wish they would put a stipulation on this match where it's like a no DQ, where they beat the hell out of each other, or no fall or, or false count anywhere, something like that to just add another layer onto this match because really they've had a bunch of really good stiff matches that, you know, they beat the hell out of each other. I would love them to have something that really felt like they finish off this this With series. A yeah. 
And you've definitely been somebody who's been preaching this for a few weeks now, ever since they announced that they were going to do the Best of Seven series, how you would love to see the seventh one be like, how Fit Finley and Steven Regal on WCW had that street fight where they had the cars all around them and everything. It was freaking awesome. And it was awesome. Just a different presentation of it. They've been beating the hell out of each other. Finish it off with them beating the hell out of each other in like something that feels like a legit fight. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with you on that. I would love for them to do something like that. But, it, obviously, it's, it's, it, we have no control over that. We're not part of the creative team of WWE, so we can't even tell you like who's going to be in what match and all that. A, like I said, I'm definitely going with Cesaro. It definitely has that feel of the Red Sox and Yankees back in 04 and the ALCS. And unfortunately, since we're not streaming this live on Twitter or Facebook, you can't see the size of the smile on my face when I keep bringing up the Red Sox beating the Yankees in 04. But every time I keep saying it, my smile keeps getting bigger and bigger. But I'm def- like I said, Cesaro. I would go as, in fact, Ja Rule, I'm saying it right now. Bobby the Brainless Stone Cold is going to put the lock of the pay-per-view on Cesaro beating Sheamus. Now, you can call it the lock of the pay-per-view. A lot of people will call it the kiss of death. I'm going with Cesaro over Sheamus. If you want to call your bookie and put in a bet on Sheamus, I wouldn't blame you. So, from there on Raw... We hit what I would call a wall. A wall. They put what I thought was going to be a awesome segment on with Chris Jericho talking about his list, his list of grievances against Mick Foley and what's been going on on Raw. And unfortunately, what could have been awesome turned into a shitstorm within, like, three seconds, and we ended up with, like, Teddy Long GM moments. Uh, Jericho comes out, starts talking about his list, and then comes out uh, Big Cass and Enzo, which I'm like, all right, all right, let's see where this goes. It's because you're a mark for the team of Enzo and Big Cass. I'm not that I'm saying it's a bad no, thing, no, because like, I'm I, a huge fan of Enzo and Big Cass as well. Them coming out was fine, but I thought it was going to be, you know, a little bit of play between Enzo and Big Cass and Jericho. Which would be fantastic. But then they just kept on bringing out teams and bringing out teams and bringing out teams. Oh, and- Cousin Jay! Don't you dare be sour! Clap! For your two-time World Tag Team Champions and feel... The power! They had an opportunity here to have a really entertaining uh, segment, and they had Jericho and Enzo, and it just devolved into a shitstorm of, I don't know, crap that I can't even explain. It wasn't quite the old day segment, but like you get a bunch of talented guys like that in the ring and talented on the mic, and you end up diluting them to such like 
honestly, I was so angry at the end of this segment. They should have let Jericho go forward with his list on his own instead of having this turn into some sort of 10-man tag match. It made no sense. It was complete filler, and they wasted the talents of everybody in the ring at this moment. You said old day. The One of the worst things we've seen on, as a segment on Raw. Since Katie Vick. I think Katie Vick was smacked on, but even so, that was... Just on television alone, you you compare that to Katie Vick? That was it, just, it was close. That was that was a shit show in its own self, with the big red retard and uh, Triple H and in a, in a rivalry that really never materialized, and thankfully, thankfully it didn't. But come on, Katie Vick, you had to put that in the same category as Katie Vick, the old day. Yeah, the old day was that bad. I almost feel like Dan Levitard, where I'm going to start putting like forty-seven. Uh, polls on our Twitter account just because what was worse, the old day or Katie Vick as, as, as a gimmick? Well, I think a lot of people don't know Katie Vick, so they would have to actually you research. Know, the sad part is, and I'm, I'm afraid that I have to admit this, during my time where I took a break from professional wrestling after WrestleMania 17 in April of 2001, I stopped watching wrestling for a few years, so I missed the whole... Katie Vick thing between Kane and Triple H, and I just watched it recently, and I'm just appalled. Not with the, not with how the storyline was perceived, but the fact that they actually went through with it and how stupid it was. And I'm sorry, I I, I didn't mean to kind of like tail off there, but, but in the end, I'm you, talking you about absolu- you have you these are absolutely guys that dead on right on the on the bullseye. It was kind of stupid how they did it, where they had, you know, it, it would have been fine if it was just Jericho and Enzo and Big Cass, but then they had the New Day come out and say something, and then Anderson and Gallows came out, and then Sami Zayn went and attacked Jericho as he was leaving after he said he was going to put all them idiots on his list of idiots in his on his list, and and then pretty much you could have had Teddy Long come out and be like, hold on, player. wait a second there, player, I got a great idea. Now, granted, before they announced the match, the all the men were in the ring beating the crap out of each other while Xavier Woods was recording it uh, and kind of just was like, this is what it looks like when I'm not wrestling because you're a little shit and you don't want to wrestle Xavier Woods. But kind of a stupid segment whatsoever. They it ultimately led to a 10-man tag. It led to the team of Enzo and Big Cass and the New Day. And Sami Zayn being victorious. I've been watching wrestling enough to know that this means that somebody on the losing team is going to end up being victorious on Sunday. Honestly, uh, with the matches that they have set up, uh, this is setting up to me for uh, Zayn is going to beat Jericho. Oh, yeah. Because in general, that's what Jericho does. He does what's best for business, and he ends up, taking the new guy and making the new guy look great, even though he beat AJ Styles in his, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, the feud that they had, Styles still came out looking like a fucking champion. Right. I'm sorry, Jay. I'm having a little mark-out moment right now. The Red Sox were just losing 3-2 to to the Tampa Bay Rays in the seventh inning, and our boy Dustin Pajoy just hit a grand slam to give them a three-run lead. 
I apologize. I, I apologize to you, Marks, out there who are not baseball fans or Red Sox fans, but we're both Red Sox fans, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I got a, I got a slight chub on that. Really? I'm sorry. Come on. I love my Red Sox. So do I, but I'm, I'm not gonna talk about getting a chub. It's what does the Pedroia? He beat up John Cena. Oh wait. We haven't posted that yet. Oh, yeah, you're right. We didn't. Um, it did lead to, you know, a couple of matches that are going to be taking place at the pay-per-view on Sunday with this 47-man tag match or whatever it was. I mean, granted, Enzo and Big Cass and, and um, what is it, the uh, Los Matadores or Epico and Primo. The or Shining Stars. The Superstars or Shining Stars or Stupid Stars or whatever the fuck it is. You know, I mean, it's just they were just kind of like a filler for that and whatever. We are going to have the tag team titles defended as the New Day will be going up against Anderson and Gallows. I know what I said for Sma- for SummerSlam when the two teams were going up for the tag team championships. I know what I said back for SummerSlam is my prediction. I'm going to stick with my prediction. I believe the New Day will not walk out of Clash of Champions as Tag Team Champions. And my boys, Carl Anderson and Festus, are going to walk out with the WWE Tag Team Championships. I am so conflicted about this match. There's a couple of things going on in my brain. I don't think they could beat Anderson and Gallows again. Because then they're just going to be a, a freaking joke. But I know that WWE is also petty. And, and one of their petty things is... They're going to beat Demolition for the record. Right. But they can't beat Demolition for the record without winning at this pay-per-view. I agree. In my heart of hearts, I think Anderson and Gallows win. That's my heart. My brain tells me that New Day is going to win or there's going to be some sort of messed up finish, fuck finish, where they retain the titles but don't lose them. Or or, or they lose lose the match, match, but they retain the championships. So Maybe Kitty Vick gets involved. Who knows? (laughs) But, I don't know. I, I think... I'm going to go with Anderson and Gallows, but I am so on the fence with this. We'll see. I think it's going to be Anderson and Gallows, and I know you made your prediction for Sami Zayn and Jericho. I totally agree with you. I think that Sami Zayn is going to go over on Jericho. But I will say this about this run for Chris Jericho is that he's proven a lot of people wrong when they're like, oh, well, it's going to be Jericho and AJ Styles at WrestleMania, so obviously AJ Styles is going to win. <sniffs> nope. Jeff, uh, Chris Jericho beat AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Oh, well, he's teaming up with Kevin Owens to take on Enzo Amore and Big Cass at SummerSlam. Obviously, Enzo and Big Cass are going to go over on Jericho and, and, and Kevin Owens. <sniffs> oh, wait a minute. They didn't. And guess who was right about their prediction? This fucking guy right here. I'm still taking Sami Zayn. I'm sorry. Jericho is not winning every rivalry. He's not winning at every pay-per-view. 
He won at SummerSlam against Enzo and Big Cass. I don't see how he couldn't put over Sami Zayn at this pay-per-view. I love Sami Zayn. He's one of those guys that I enjoy watching wrestle. He's one of those guys that can actually cut a promo and wrestle. Obviously, him and, you know, Sin Cara, and then him and Neville beating the Dudley boys, I was very upset about. I'm sorry, it was Neville and, and Sin Cara that beat him. It wasn't Sami Zayn. They just put Sami Zayn in that match just to give him a match at SummerSlam. I'll apologize, you marks. I have I have been drinking tonight. But with those two matches, I said Anderson and Gallows and Sami Zayn are going to be the ones that walk out on top at Clash of Champions. Uh, so we we went from that shitty tag ten man tag match that Teddy Long was approved ten man tag match by the way uh, to perhaps the greatest moment on Raw, which was the Cruiserweights finally uh, having their first match. We talked about it a bit early earlier. Uh, the Brian Kendrick going over, but match of the night as far as Raw goes. In my markout moment of the week, by the way, in case you forgot. But you know, really good did. stuff here. The these guys know what they're doing in the ring. Uh, it looks like WWE is kind of taking the hands-off approach and letting them do what they do, as opposed to making them, you know, kind of conform to the WWE style. And like I've brought up before in the past. This is what was the best part about WCW was the cruiserweight division that they had with the Jerichos and the Malenkos and the Guerreros. I'm not going to go through the entire list. We don't have all night. Not surprised that the four men had an awesome match to determine who the number one contender for TJ Perkins Cruiserweight Championship. Well, and the crowd um, started off dead by the end. They were they had them in the palm of their hand. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the mark of, like, really good performers. And I'm not surprised that it was like that. Metallic did some awesome moves. Cedric Alexander did some awesome moves. Rich Swan obviously, did and some awesome moves. what we saw at Full Sail University yeah. during the Cruiserweight Classic, I mean, we know, we knew absolutely crap about each of these guys going in. Like, I mean, y you would kind of see things on the internet, but, like, as far as, like, being WWE fans, you knew little to nothing about these guys. It was awesome seeing these guys go in there and having the casual audience know little to nothing about them, except and, for Brian Kendrick, and having them... And putting on a phenomenal match. Absolutely. I was very impressed with all four guys in the match. Grand Metallic, Rich Metallic. Swan, whatever. Rich Swan, Cedric Alexander, Brian Kendrick are all going to be very strong people to have in this division that you're trying to promote very strongly on the raw brand. You have TJ Perkins, obviously winning a tournament of the best, the best cruiserweights throughout the world. Not a lot, you know, not just with in this country, but throughout the world brings me to my prediction for the pay-per-view with Brian Kendrick, who was successful in the fatal four way between those cruiserweights going up against TJ Perkins. TJ Perkins is not losing that title to Brian Kendrick. No, no, uh, Kendrick is there because he's a familiar name, familiar face, and T.J. Perkins will be elevated by beating him, and they're going to have an awesome match. Uh, I agree Kendrick, with that. Kendrick is not quite as athletic as he was like 10 years ago when he was with Paul London. Banky! But y you know what? I think he is better at telling a story. I think he's a better character now, and I think that's going to 
help elevate T.J. Perkins. Perkins has a great story on his own, uh, you know, scratching and clawing his way into the WWE and winning that title, and now, you know, beating an established guy. I couldn't agree with you more, Jay. I think that's going to be, in, in my opinion, I would love to make T.J. Perkins my lock of the week, obviously. And this is going pick, to match of the night, I think. Oh, it's definitely going to be the match of the night, and it's not even going to be close. They're going to put on an awesome match. The fans are going to be chanting, this is awesome, because that's the type of shit they do. I have no problem with them chanting the only for this match. That might, uh, maybe on the same level, Jericho Zane might. might. Oh, God, they're both both of those matches are going to be fantastic. And, and I'm sure Cesaro and Sheamus is going to be great, too, but I think this will be the match of the night. But like, This is awesome. I, I, I don't think it's going to be like far and away the match of the night. There are a lot of people who are awesome in the ring and great characters that will will kind of match it. But these guys, I mean, you know, they're just going to be on a different level athletically, even though Brian Kendrick isn't what he was a few years back. He's still great in the ring, and he still does a lot of things that most people can't do. So what's your prediction? Oh, I already told you, T.J. Perkins. I'm sorry. You have to... Break through the levels of malted hops and bong resin to get to my brain to make sure I comprehend. Yeah, T.J. Perkins is definitely going over. So, it's going to be a... Right. And, um... Going forward, um... Well, you know what? We had the main event on Raw, which gets me to another thing that freaking pissed me off. I hate when you have a champion for the longest time, WWE, what they fucking do is if you're the U.S. champion, if you're the intercontinental champion, you have non-title matches, and you end up fucking losing. But what do they do? They take the universal champion, who you're trying to build up this championship is something special, and what do you do? You have this fucking guy lose the fucking match on Raw, clean as a sheet to fucking Roman Reigns. You have... Freaking Kevin Owens losing to him. Why do they fucking do that? It's fucking retarded. Holy shit, Jay. You took that to a whole different level that I wasn't expecting you to do. You went off on that. How do you really feel about the way that they booked the ending of uh, Monday Night Raw with Kevin Owens, the reigning, defending, undisputed... Longest reigning. The longest reigning Universal Champion in WWE history, losing to the man with the wettest hair in WWE history. I know how you feel. Obviously, I'm just saying that just to fuck with you, but yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I didn't like the fact that they had Roman Reigns. He looks the like guy, a fucking chump. The fact that Roman Reigns went over oh. on the Universal Champion in the Owens main event. Owens looks like a fucking chump. If if Reigns was actually in the main event with Rollins and Kevin Owens for the Universal title, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. But the fact that you're putting Roman Reigns in the United States Championship match against Rusev tomorrow, and having him go over on Kevin Owens, who's going to be defending his title against Seth Rollins, and obviously we're going to be seeing the Seth Rollins face turn if it hasn't already occurred. Well, it's kind of been going on. It's a work in progress, obviously. I couldn't agree more. I did not like the way that they booked that. I did not like the way that they ended that They should have had Rusev come in and, like, cost Roman Reigns the match. Something like that. Because that, that would have made you, a hell of a lot more sense than just having Rose... Having uh, your fucking Rome, champion... Roman Reigns go over clean oh, on 
Kevin Owens. I couldn't agree with you more. But, with that being said, the match of the, the main event of the pay-per-view of Clash of Champions is going to be Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Who is your prediction to walk out of the pay-per-view tomorrow night as the Universal Champion? I'm going to go with Kevin Owens, and here's what I think is going to happen. When they talked on Raw, they talked a lot about how uh, Stephanie McMahon had no idea what Triple H was doing, this, that, and the other thing, which calls into question many things about their marriage. They don't communicate, obviously, ever. They go to sleep at night, and they don't say anything to each other. Maybe they should see a therapist because of that. They probably should. But... We have not seen or heard from Triple H ever since he helped Kevin Owens win the title. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see Triple H make another appearance, and I think he's going to cost Rollins the match in some way, shape, or form. Again. And I don't know if we're going to see him and Stephanie join forces. I don't know if we're going to see Stephanie upset with him, Uh Personally, I think it's going to be he and Stephanie joining forces, but, I mean, we dealt with the authority storyline for so damn long, I'm not 100% sure with that. So you're going with Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens with uh, assist by Triple H. So you're basically saying that Kevin Owens is going to be Carl Malone and Triple H is going to be John Stockton? Yes. Okay. I agree with you. I don't know... If Triple H is going to exactly cost Seth Rollins the match tomorrow. It might be a distraction thing. But I can also see Kevin Owens going over clean. After the match, Seth Rollins throw like a hissy fit. Triple H comes into the ring, pedigrees him again. I agree with you that we will see Triple H tomorrow during the pay-per-view. Not necessarily as part of the match, but he is going to be seen tomorrow. I also agree that something's going to happen with him and Stephanie with the storyline about how she she claims that she had no idea what was going on with Triple H and she didn't know that Triple H was going to do that with Kevin Owens. But I also agree with you. Kevin Owens will walk out of Clash of Champions as Universal Champion. I think he's going to have a legitimately long run as Universal Champion. And it's going to ultimately, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. It's going to lead to him defending the championship at a pay-per-view in the foreseeable future against the most dangerous man that is, bless you, bless you. Thanks. The most dangerous man that has ever stepped foot inside a WWE ring in Brock Lesnar. Uh. In my mind, that match would probably happen at Royal Rumble. That's why I said foreseeable future. Uh, but, And I'm going to mark out like I've never marked out before in my life if that happens. That'll be an interesting match. Uh, but, you know, if we're talking like the not-so-distant future, I mean, we have this pay-per-view coming up, and then, you know... Survivor Series... Probably for, for Raw Survivor Series. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to have a SmackDown well, that, pay-per-view before that. Well, and Survivor Series is a joint. 
Right. Joint affairs, so I think... Are you uh, right? Right. 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 Uh, so, this obviously is going to lead into the next thing that goes on with Survivor Series. Uh, and Triple H is going to be involved, uh, and we'll see where it goes with uh, Stephanie. I think she's playing coy. I think she, you know, if you, again, gun to my head... Uh, Stephanie is with Triple H, knows what he's going to do, and I think, uh, I don't know if this leads to Mick Foley being fired, or if this leads to some shenanigans along those, like the power structure in Raw, but I I hope not, because we had the authority for like three plus years, and it got old and stale after a while, as good as Stephanie and Triple H are as their characters, after a while it was like, uh, not these guys again. I couldn't agree more with you, Jay, on that. I really do hope that it doesn't lead to Mick Foley either resigning or getting fired as general manager of Raw. It would just be kind of stupid. It's like, do you really want to change general managers like two months after the draft? I, I mean, it would make it feel like they brought Foley on just so that he could promote Holy Foley for a couple of months and then... We'll just bring somebody else in because fuck you, Mick Foley. All right, well, we basically discussed Raw. We got through the pay-per-view. We we, we, we we discussed NXT. We discussed SmackDown. We, after a one-week sabbatical, brought up our mark-out moments of the week. I kind of feel like there's something missing from this podcast, Jay. What 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 could be missing? Well, we, we've already talked about how I'm going to embarrass myself once we get to that 100th download of this podcast, because I'm a mark, and that's what I do. We've dis- we did our predictions. We recapped all the shows that happened this week. Something is missing. Something that, well, had, Saturday. that happened. And I think that's what it is, is because we're finally shooting this podcast on Saturday instead of Sunday that something is missing and it just doesn't feel right. It feels like something happened 607 days ago. What that we is should that, be... Bobby the Brainless? I think that Curtis Axel, 607 days ago, entered and is still alive. In the 2015 Royal Rumble. Do you think that's greater than CM Punk in his 434 day reign? It's getting close to Bruno San Martino as WWE Champion territory. Well, I don't know about that. That was like eight years. What are you, a fucking... What are you, a fucking Mark? Something like that. Nah, I knew that about you. So... Today, this day in history, Curtis Axel, still in the 2015 Royal Rumble. And Jay, on that note, after we recapped and predicted and gave kudos where it was due, I think it's time that we say goodbye to the fucking marks for this week. Until next time. I am Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. You stay classy, San Diego.